0: For the second game in a row without Kevin Durant, the Nets lose for the second game in a row without Kevin Durant. 112-102 to the visiting Oklahoma City Thunder. It was another game where the Nets struggled in the fourth quarter to score. They had to go without Ben Simmons in this one as well. We are going to be breaking down the game, what it's been like without KD, what it's now like without Ben Simmons, and what the future might hold for this Brooklyn Nets team going forward. All that after the theme music. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Brooklyn, Brooklyn, yo. Welcome back to the Locked On Nets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Rolling there over there on YouTube as well. Make sure you follow Locked On Nets over at YouTube. I am Doug Nori, owner operator, dfsr.com. If you need projections for FanDuel and or DraftKings, got you covered over there at dfsr.com. Daily fantasy sports rankings. If you feel like typing in all of those letters, no Adam Armbrecht tonight on the uh, recording this Sunday evening following the Nets game, the loss to the OKC Thunder. He's putting in some Giants' duty. We understand Giants' playoff win. That's going to get the, your, your boy ex- pretty excited. So going to be flying on this one totally solo. Frankly, Adam, probably glad that he sat this one out because once again, we get another loss for the Nets without Kevin Durant. It's been two games, two full games now without Kevin Durant in the lineup for Brooklyn. We talked about how this might be you know something of a struggle at times, but the Nets seemed like they were well-equipped to at least be able to handle some of this time without KD knowing he was going to miss you know, a bunch of weeks with with the knee issue. And I think we felt confident about that, knowing that the first game against Boston was going to be a really, really tough matchup, but maybe a slightly softer landing or much softer landing against OKC on Sunday night. It's at home. It's OKC. They're a plucky team for sure. They have some real guys. And I think we're going to be talking about this OKC team differently, probably just even a year from now, maybe two years from now as being, you know, not definitely laughing stock, which they're not. But at the same time, are like, okay, well, this is the Nets. They're still quality teams. They still have Kyrie Irving here, and this is a game that you go into probably thinking you should win the game. They're favorites going into the game, and then some things start happening, right? Ben Simmons, you get word about an hour before – well, tip-off's never at six, so it's about 90 minutes uh, before actual tip-off you get Ben Simmons downgraded uh, from nothing to questionable, which that close to game time is never a good sign if you follow injury reporting because it means he probably tweaked something. It was related to his back. And whenever you get downgraded to that questionable tag, you have to start really, really worrying that a guy's not going to play. So they go into this game without Simmons. They still have a lineup that you think should be able to hang with an OKC Thunder team. And for the most part, they did. Uh, but in somewhat similar scenario to what happened against Boston. They are not able to come out with a win. So we're going to break all this down. We're going to break down sort of what happened, what the higher level themes are that we've seen in these first two games without Kevin Durant. Like what is maybe what we can expect to carry over? What might just be a blip? But if you are a Nets fan, I don't think there's any reason for panic here. This is why you bank wins to sort of to start the year. They are 27 and 15 now, so 12 games over 500, four games back behind the Celtics in the East. Uh, let's call it four games out of the playing right now. They have lost two games in a row. Uh, they're not. I don't believe this is going to be a losing streak like we saw, kind of the Nets go on last year, where I think it ended up becoming 18 out of 21 or 22 games, and it was a real, real problem. Although, you know, are we in a situation where? if they're without Simmons that you start worrying here, like if it's just going to be the Kyrie show and some of the other role players, could we see the nets trending in a direction like they rolled last season? We're going from second or third in the East when KD got hurt down to essentially fighting for their playoff lives before it was all said and done. I still don't believe that it's the situation the nets are going to be. And maybe you out there think that it is. I, I, if I'm judging by some of the sort of sentiment that's going around just in the NBA verse, there's a little bit of panic going on. I don't think we should be there yet. Although this game did highlight some ongoing concerns for this team that happen without some of their best players on the court. Uh, and so We the Nets are just I don't know they're they're not in a tricky spot right now but whenever you lose your best players and you're playing sort of a lot of backups and especially guys who haven't played tons and tons of minutes sometimes these are going to be the results and this doesn't take anything away from the OKC Thunder team which has already exceeded expectations for this season right they're 20 and 23 on the season I don't think any or excuse me 21 and 23 I don't think anyone really thought they were going to be this high in the standings probably thought there was going to be one more year of full-on tank from them uh, going into the Wembyama sort of sweepstakes. They probably have played themselves out of that already, frankly, because some of these guys are just too good. Guys like SGA, guys like Giddy are just too good for them to really, really tank. The coaching is great, and they play really hard. So you knew this was going to be a fight for the Nets. But even without Durant and even without Simmons, this has to be a game that – you not only should win, but it really should have even been a little bit more competitive. I mean, the Nets ended up losing this game by 10 points. The game was effectively over with two minutes to go. They really waved the right flag for the last few possessions. Um, but you have to think like, yeah, they were in this game, but really when we got down to about three minutes left, there you weren't feeling a lot of hope if you were watching this one. You weren't feeling like there was – Really, a way they were going to effectively claw back into it. Sometimes you can just sort of feel that how it's going on in the game. You can sort of feel the energy. It did not feel an energy-wise like this was a Nets team that was going to come back against OKC late. I know they kind of they had to cut it to eight. I think they cut it to seven at one point. But I, I at no point sitting there watching this one was I really did I really feel like the Nets were going to come all the way back and win. When you miss easy shots in the fourth quarter, that can sometimes kind of just be the waterfall of bad luck, not bad luck, sort of waterfall of negativity that can bleed through to the rest of your possessions. They did have open looks. They did not go down. And when that's going to happen on a, in a game against a team that really wants to scrap and fight against you, you know, things can end up sort of starting to cascade. And this is where the nets really found themselves in the fourth quarter. So, there were problems. There were more problems than just not being able to score in the fourth. There were rotational issues here. There were wide-open miss issues here. There were defensive lapses. There was defensive communication problems. There were some weird pairings. Um, some of that is necessitated by just losing really flexible guys like Katie and Simmons that really kind of do make it hard to make up along the rotational um, just – algebra around piecing pieces together and i think we definitely saw that and we might see more of that frankly going forward if simmons if this back issue for simmons is not just a quick one and done thing this could be starting to get a little problematic so it just it's hard to lose a lot of money off your payroll from <laughs> from your lineups that are supposed to fill really niche or excuse me, really wide-ranging roles for your team in t- on both the offensive and defensive end. When that's the case with Kevin Durant, when that's the case with Ben Simmons, hey, maybe we're looking at a situation with the Nets like we saw last year where we should maybe start to brace ourselves, brace ourselves for a slide. I still don't think we're there. I can give some reasons why here in a second, but I think there's going to be some of you out there that are saying to yourself, hey, let's buckle up. Let's buckle up because this is the NBA, Nets still have a target on their back. Teams want to beat this team on any given night. And if that's going to be the case, and if they're going to be without some of their most talented, most versatile players here, then maybe we are looking at that for the Brooklyn Nets going forward. Want to get into what happened here in the fourth quarter. Want to get into some of those rotations. Wanted to get into the play of Kyrie Irving as well. A lot to cover on this podcast. We're going to do all that in a second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at prize picks prize picks is daily fantasy made easy On prize picks they figured this out they figured it out that you don't want to wrestle with salaries you don't want to wrestle with all those sharks you're not trying to figure out you know how to jam in a bunch of different players under the salary rules from these other sites no prize picks just said that we're going to put up their projections you're just going to go more or less on those projections and you the user just go hey more points less points more rebounds less rebounds like that, all the way through all your different entries, and that's all you have to do. All you do is um, go to prize picks, you pick two to six players, you figure out if they're going to score more or less than their prize picks projection, and you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry you're not competing against other people it's just you versus the prize picks projections they got you covered for every sport out there nba you want to do points rebounds assists blocks steals they got you all the way through all those stats nfl rolling through the playoffs nhl going basically every night mlb right around the corner and the list goes on and on and on with the prize picks offerings entries can be made in up to 60 seconds or less, it's super easy. Download the Price Picks app or go to PrizePix.com to sign up to play Daily Fantasy Sports. First time users can receive a hundred percent instant deposit match up to a hundred dollars with the promo code locked on. If you deposit a hundred dollars, prize picks will give you a hundred dollars back. If you deposit fifty, prize picks will give you fifty. Don't forget to enter the promo code Locked On and sign up for an instant deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are two games in a row with the Nets struggling and struggling with a capital S to score in the fourth quarter. Last game against the Celtics, the Nets were able to put up a total of 16 points to end the game with only 98 in in the 11-point loss to Boston. In this one, it was a lot of the same. The Nets only scored 22 points in the fourth quarter, so they've – combined to score 38 total points in the fourth quarter over the last two games. They barely scrape over the 100 mark. They get to 102 points this game, and it was just really, really a struggle. Now, there were some differences in this game from last game that uh, maybe you want to take them as positive for this one uh, and say this won't repeat going forward, whereas the Boston series, excuse me, the Boston fourth quarter was a whole different animal. There was a lot of Kyrie shots. Um, There was a lot of just kind of broken offensive possessions. There was not seemingly like a real clear idea of what they wanted to do. And plus they were going up against a really, really strong defensive team that is even without got like Horford in the game are going to cause you a lot of problems in the defensive end. And Jalen Brown didn't play in that game against Boston either. In this one, it was a little different. I don't think we saw the hero stuff from Kyrie. As much he did, finish with twenty shots in this game. I don't think the fourth quarter looks were of the sort of ISO, just force it up in traffic variety. Frankly, in this one, they just missed a bunch of missed a bunch of threes. Uh, Joe Harris missed three completely wide open threes that would have probably swung the game to at least be close. Uh, They end up losing this game by ten. Harris, as good as he played, sort of up into that point, or shooting okay up into that point. Uh, He was two for five going to the fourth quarter, missing the three threes. Again, they were completely wide open, too. One was above the break. Two were wide open from the corner. He couldn't buy one. Uh, Fans are obviously going to be annoyed by this. Whenever Harris misses clutch threes, everyone is just going to go back and relive the Milwaukee series (laughs) from two seasons ago where he couldn't hit a wide open three to save his life, uh, and they end up losing that series. This is the calling card for Harris when it comes to fourth quarter scoring. I get it. That is the knock against them every game. If, if you if you feel this way about Harris, and I, I on some level understand why people do, if, if, this is the kind of game that confirms your worst feelings about him in crunch time because these looks were, again, I can't stress this enough, completely wide open. If you're going to miss these shots, if the Nets are going to get good looks, And you're going to miss these. He wasn't the only guy like, look, as a team, they shot 30, excuse me, they shot 29 percent from three. So this including a one for seven from Kyrie. So it's not like it's just Harris here. But I'm highlighting this because they were the three misses were essentially at a time where Harris misses three. This wasn't one for one, but Isaiah Joe hit three three pointers uh, for the uh, for the Thunder at a time where SGA was off the court where you're thinking, okay, we can really get back into this game. For Harris to miss those shots, it, it was just brutal. Like Those were the back-breaking variety that I was sort of talking about earlier in the podcast, where problems can sometimes cascade on the offensive end to make you get frustrated on the defensive end, and now you're just sort of raising the white flag in in terms of your own intensity because it's just not working. You're getting the looks you want. You're running the offensive sets you want. They're throwing doubles at Kyrie in the fourth quarter. He was passing out of the doubles. He was not forcing it through there. They were moving the ball decently at times in the fourth quarter, ending up with good looks, and they just weren't going down. Patty Mills had a wide-open three that didn't go in. Uh, Warren had a couple good looks. They just just couldn't hit shots. That's really what it boils down to. They couldn't hit shots. Richard Jefferson mentions it on the broadcast. It's cliche at this point, but he's not wrong. It's a make-or-miss league. If you are going to miss these, these shots in high leverage situations, really at any time, but specifically in high leverage situations, if you're going to miss the shots, there's really nothing that can be done. It's going to be really, really tough to win. OKC was hitting these threes. Um, then they got some very easy looks in the fourth. And that is ends up kind of being the story. They get outscored 37 to 20. The Nets do. The Nets get outscored 37 to 22 in the fourth. Um, they just get crushed. And part of that is the misses. Part of that is because OKC got to the line and got some really, really easy buckets. They got a bunch of second chance points as well. And that ends up being kind of the story. But I did want to highlight the Harris misses because I just know there's people out there that this drives them absolutely bonkers. These shots and Harris is a specialist. Harris. Harris is on the team to hit threes. Like we understand why he got the contract, that we understand why they signed him, we understand why he, you know, starts on this team, especially when Durant and Simmons are out. We understand all of these things. So when the thing that he's supposed to do the best does not happen, it really looks worse in a lot of ways than a Kyrie 1 for 7 performance because Kyrie's generating points in a lot of different ways. Now, go back to last game Harris hit 4 for 7 from 3 so you're like okay well it's not his problem there they still ended up losing the game I just didn't want to I just didn't want to not say it because it was just sort of obvious what was happening with the Nets late in this game and then it, and and then frankly like I said before no one could hit shots it's not just one guy Kyrie couldn't hit anything in the fourth quarter um and they just really couldn't get anything going Yuta really couldn't he was a part of the closing lineup he couldn't get anything going And they just had all kinds of problems scoring. And sometimes that's just going to be the kind of night you're having. And sometimes it's going to be indicative of losing your best offensive player in Kevin Durant. And it's going to be indicative of losing your best connector in Ben Simmons, who leads the team in assists. When those are going to be the cases, of course, it's just going to be tougher, especially when things get close and tight in the fourth quarter and everyone sort of ends up locking in. This is a team, the Nets, that just is struggling in these moments over the last couple of games. Will it be the case going forward? I mean, maybe. Maybe this is a team that's tough to or excuse me, easy to scheme against. Maybe in their current iteration, the Nets are kind of easy to figure out what they want to do in the fourth quarter. It is easy to figure out a Kyrie-led offense and sort of how, when the going gets tough, how you want to shut it down. Maybe this is something we're going to see more of as teams get tough and just figure out what they want to do rotationally in the fourth quarter. Again, it's two games in a row. I can see a world where we're not we're having a very different conversation if some of the easier looks go down in the fourth quarter, but the results are the results and sometimes you know, examining the process isn't really good enough. So It's frustrating. It was a frustrating fourth quarter again to watch. It's frustrating to watch these shots not go down. It's frustrating to see them lose. It's frustrating to think that they probably should have been in this game in a much closer variety, even without guys like Durant and Simmons on the court, that this should have been a closer one that it ends up being. But in the end... If your easy shots aren't going to go down, you are going to have a tough time winning. So want to get a little bit more into the starting lineup. If we end up seeing this rotation more, who we got a little longer look at what looked what I thought. There are a couple of things that I thought did look good in this game that I think the Nets can build on a bit. We are going to get into that in a second. But first, going to talk to you about our friends over at Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try a Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bar forever to you guys. That's because it's really just easy to talk about. In terms of coming into the new year, you got a bunch of resolutions you're trying to get going with, especially of the health varieties, trying to make sure you're eating right, trying to keep the calories low, trying to keep the sugar low. That can be really tough, especially coming out of a season where a lot of people probably just piled that stuff on. Built Bar has you covered. They start with the flavors. They cover it in 100% real chocolate. Uh, ch- uh, flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. But then they have the stats to back it up. It's just 130 calories, just 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. And you don't even need to wait around to get a box. I've been telling you to get your orders at Built.com, But you can also go to Walmart or Sam's Club as well, they have you covered over there. Grab, go in there, grab a 13 box of the uh, brownie batter. You can grab that churro. Like I said, you'll thank me later, or you can just go to built.com. All right couple final notes about this game as we head into MLK Day. They, they don't play on – the Nets don't play on Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, the league does do uh, a little bit of a different schedule just in terms of uh, for the holiday. They have a bunch of day games excuse me, the you know, Celtics and Charlotte kick it off at 1, and they go through basically the whole afternoon into the evening. The Nets are not part of that group. Uh, They did honor – they did do some stuff pregame. They had some shirts they were wearing, and Seth Curry got up in front of the crowd uh, and spoke about it a little bit. But the Nets don't play again until San Antonio. It will be interesting This uh, excuse me, uh, San Antonio on Tuesday. It will be interesting to see what they do here where when Simmons is involved because if Simmons can start, I think that obviously he moves back into the starting lineup. Away you go, and we see a starter's very similar to what we saw in that Celtics game. In this game, with Simmons as the late scratch, they did go to Edmund Sumner to fill in as a starter. Now, (laughs) okay, Sumner ends up only playing 12 minutes in this game. Part of that is because he just completely was a foul box, he had four fouls in just 12 minutes, and then eventually, they just he kind of just didn't work his way back into the rotation. I think some of that was circumstance with how things were running. I do think some of it was just like he was a spot starter. They didn't want to continue. to, I don't think they want to move Warren into the starting lineup here. And I think because of that, and I don't think they want to move Uta into the starting lineup either. And so because of that, I think in some days, like we weren't going to see tons and tons of minutes out of Sumner because he was there to sort of make sure the bench, my guess is he was there to make sure the bench rotations kind of stayed in place during this uh, injury riddled time for the team. Now, that being said, I think the plan was to play in much more than 12 minutes because I think that there was things that they thought he was going to be able to do on the court that were going to fill in uh, sort of piece together what they were missing from Simmons be on the ball a little bit more. I I mean, I know Simmons doesn't do this, but like try to get to the rim and just be a point of attack defender uh, in a way that Simmons is able to do. He was able to do some of that, he did try to get to the rim. He missed two layups. One was a really bad look. One was a more of a bunny look uh, that you wish would have gone down. Got to the line a couple times. I thought he was aggressive. I think that the fouls bit him in a way that, like, that's why we only saw him for 12 minutes. But I think the plan was probably something like 21 to 22 minutes uh, and not so much more than that. Like, I could be wrong about that. Maybe 24 minutes was the plan. 25. I don't think we were ever seeing like 30 plus minutes out of Sumner here. I just think they were always, assuming I left off Curry. I think they were always just kind of leaving the door open for TJ Warren, uh, Seth Curry, and Yuta Watanabe to come in the bench, off the bench, and stick in those bench roles that they want them to be in and not mess with the rotations too much. So that's my guess. I will probably, when we re listen to some of the post game stuff with Jacques, we can maybe get a closer idea. With that, we can talk about that uh, on the next podcast once we're able to sift through all the post-game comments to see if he ends up talking about what the overall plan was with Sumner. But it just wasn't amazing. It wasn't terrible. Like I said, he has tough assignments here with Gideon SGA. Those are pretty dynamic guards when it comes to being on the ball and trying to get to the rim. So foul trouble is going to be problematic. For guys like him at times, because these are really tough assignments. Giddy uh, and Shea Gillis Alexander are just really, really good guards, SGA especially. So it's the assignment was always going to be tough, but I understand why Sumner is where they went to try to give Kyrie some defensive help against guy, a, t- a team that has good guards. Like we've talked about in the past, when, especially without Simmons, like guards, opposing guards are going to give the Nets problems because they just don't have great point of attack defense. Uh Royce is just not that guy um, for long stretches in the game. Kyrie is not that guy. Plus, you don't want him to be that guy if he's gonna be uh the offensive engine. So I think that having Sumner next to him in this game made sense to start. Now I had to get away from it early, and they did end up having to go to some smaller guard sets with Curry having to play a lot. that we did see some Patty Mills come in here uh, and play some. I think that the at some point Jacques was just especially when Sumner was in foul trouble was just trying to throw anything at the wall to see what stuck. Nothing really stuck. I thought Curry played well. We saw Curry able to – I mean, he ended up leading the team in scoring with 23 points, had a couple really nice finishes of the basket, had one where he split two defenders, got to the lane, and finished over a third. I mean, it was easily his best like offensive possession. And I think we saw from Curry, too, that he can help carry some of the offense when – Guys like Durant are out. He can score three levels. He did take 15 shots. That was the second most on the team. I think mostly you're fine with that in a game where this is, like if this is going to be the personnel that they have, if it's going to be Kyrie and sort of question mark when it comes to on-ball stuff after that, I, I do think living with 15 shots from Curry Kind of probably just need is where you need to be. Uh, it was, it's always going to be sort of problematic on defense, especially when their team has really good guards. He is going to get hunted out. There were multiple guys uh, OKC could hunt out here between Curry, between Kyrie, between the 12 minutes you saw Patty Mills in there. Even TJ Warren struggled the times they had him on SGA, which is really probably not a long term matchup that you were going to win. So this is like, this is what I mean about like sort of the problems with where the Nets personnel is now. When you lose Durant, when you lose Simmons, it's going to be tough. Like you're going to have to try to piece it together with players that are all going to individually have some things they do well and have some things that are the reasons that they are not high level players in the NBA. They're good NBA role players, but when you're asking them to play tons and tons of minutes, that's net was never the plan when they signed on some of these guys to play, you know, I mean, maybe Curry up to 30 minutes, but like all these minutes from some of these other guys, I, that just really wasn't the plan. And you're going to have, you're going to be giving away certain stuff in the game just because that's just the way it is. Like it's hard to piece together ro- good rotations after two of your best and most expensive and most versatile guys get hurt. Any team would deal with this with these problems. It's not an excuse. The Nets still could have and should have probably won this game, but it's just what is going to happen in the NBA when this is the case. And we're really seeing this play out. With Brooklyn and to some degree I think we saw some of this coming and again losing Simmons in this matchup specifically was always going to be really really tough they really needed his defense they really needed him to ball hawk they really needed him to stop guys like Giddy and guys like SGA from getting into the paint or from getting comfortable getting into the lane and finding either guys at the dunker spot kicking out for threes like this was a problem for the Nets defensively and it just never got easier and frankly got harder as the game went on and you saw that what happens when you have to play some smaller guards and some switching defense stuff that's just going to be a just tougher road to hoe for the whole team. So kind of indicative of everything that was happening here. I'm not sure how many different things Vaughn could have done in this game. I, it was a little weird at times. Like they had De'Aaron Sharp and Nick Claxton on the court together with Patty Mills. Like I just can't imagine that was like happening for two minutes, but it was one of those what's going on here kind of things. It was just a lot of small guard stuff like Seth and Patty together. Like, what are we really expecting to happen? And at the same time, I don't know what the alternatives really were here. Like, there's not guys behind them that you trust to go out and do a vastly better job than any of these guys. So, again, you're a little bit pot stuck as a team when it comes to your rotations. And when you have Kyrie Irving, when you have Nick Claxton, Joe Harris, Royce O'Neal, like this is your team, Seth Curry you should be in the game probably more than they were. And they weren't because they couldn't score in the fourth quarter and they couldn't hit some wide open shots. So that's where the net stand interested to hear what some of the post game stuff is when we record for the next time for our next podcast. So we'll cover some of that. Hopefully we'll have an update on Simmons and the back issue. Again, a guy, the guy had back surgery in the off season and he's shown having some back issues and that's always troublesome and problematic. And we hope he's okay. And, The guy has not been exactly a pillar of health this whole season, so we'll have to really wait to hear what some of the updates on his health are. In the meantime, before we come back for the next episode, make sure you go over to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, Locked on Nets. The link will be in the show notes if you're listening on the podcast. Uh, We're getting close to 5,000 subscribers over on YouTube, so be part of the push of the group that is following Locked on Nets. Most times we are going to be coming live after the post game because this one was a solo episode. It was just a little easier uh, to do it single or not do it live. But most games after Wednesday's game, uh, excuse me, Tuesday's game against the Spurs will be on here live talking the game. So you got to make sure you subscribe to Locked On Nets. YouTube uh, set the alerts too for yourself. So, you know, when we are going live, it's always this part of the podcast where Adam, I remember that Adam is the king of the quotes. He's the one that's always sourcing the great American poets to end us with the perfect quote that sums up the exact thoughts that we were thinking about this Brooklyn Nets game. That's his ground to cover. I always fail when it comes to that. All I can say to you is we will be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.